Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi, and it is good to be with you again today for Reconciling Grace. We're here to discuss topics and passages from the Bible on our panel today. We have Pastor Don McDonald. Uh, he's known as, how did you say it, P-Mac or Pastor Mac? I'm known as both P-Mac and Pastor Mac okay. in, in the joys of ministry. Well, that's good to have you with us. Vicki Cundiff is with us. And remotely today, Mick Wells is with us. And uh, Mick Wells is with us remotely because as we are doing this episode, uh, normally we don't try to date our episodes, but just so people know that... Uh, we have been shut down in the studio for a little bit of time here in the last several weeks because of the COVID-19 situation. And so this is our first time back in the studio together. And Mick, uh, we're glad to have you with us remotely. We do know that you are quarantining a little bit more. You have your own reasons to do that. I don't know if you wanted to share about that now. I told you it might not. we might not share about that till later. It's up to you. Would you like to say anything about that now? Well, it's just that... Uh I happen to fall in a, a number of high-risk candidates for the COVID-19. I think everybody's reaction to this disease depends on uh, their health status and, and the risk factors. And it just uh, seems to me that to be the right thing to do and, until there's uh, some reason for me to believe that I would be able to function okay uh, under the conditions. Well, I'm glad to have you with us, even if it is remotely. We miss you here in the studio, but uh, technology, I love to say technology is wonderful until it isn't, but uh, it, it is is—it is wonderful. I'm glad to have you with us, and, and uh, we may get more into some of these things uh, as we move forward. But because of the um, situation we're in today with the topic of, um, I thought we'd do a topic, I should say, of What's it like doing ministry during a pandemic? Um, I think a lot of us have had a lot of different uh, things happen to us. Uh, one of the things that I put down in my notes is, um, did any of us have any indication going back, say, to January 1st, 2020, that uh, the things we've experienced since that time would even be remotely on our radar? I mean, did, did anybody here do any just even personal uh, New Year's resolutions, for instance. I know for Danforth Church, we just finished 150 years of ministry celebration last year, so we were more in the realm of, okay, what's next? And so as we were sitting back, you know, as, as, as a board slash consistory, it was like, okay, we're getting ready for the new year, and now that we've done 150 years of celebrating the whole year last year we did. So ours was more like looking forward but we had no idea come March we'd be, you know, shutting down the building to do ministry online. Mm -hmm. It was different, definitely. Yeah. Did you have anything, Vicki, that you uh, ran into, like uh, even personally, anything like that that uh, you didn't think you'd be doing? I know that you work for a cleaning company. I think things got very busy for you for a while, didn't they? Uh, yeah, well, and really it slowed down during the COVID time just because about 3% of our buildings shut down. Okay. And I was in a crazy time before that with so much busyness. So mm -hmm. that was actually a, a 
blessing, right. <laughs> if I want to call it that. Uh, you know, I think that there's also good news to find in in what we've gone through. There's mm-hmm. always God always makes a way for us to see the good in things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was strange. But I personally, my feeling is, I don't think anybody could have had any idea that the normal way that we always did life that we wouldn't be doing it that way mm-hmm. any longer, and that things would turn upside down. Uh, like they did exactly and when those situations happen we just have to make the best of them and trust that god's always in control we know that right now one thing i would like to point out to everybody here is vicky is an ordained elder in the church of the nazarene and uh, she does ministry that is her main job but you also work for a cleaning company yes, so that's yes. that's what i wanted to get across is that that part of your work experience did pastor mag don over here now don you are a full-time um preacher are you not wouldn't you consider that rather you don't have secular employment or anything no outside i do that? not i've been right. full-time really all my years of ministry starting in 84 so um actually it's starting in 88 i stand corrected um so yeah we've been in full-time ministry really never did any secular bivocational work mm-hmm. at all it's been just doing the church mm-hmm. and mick you're you're kind of retired over there aren't you so how how would you see uh things like that how how has it affected you other than uh, other than quarantining is there anything else what were you thinking of on january 1st maybe i ought to put it that way well at that point in time i was a extremely avid ohio state buckeyes football fan and i was looking at their recruiting uh, there may have been some noises out there about a virus that had originated in Wuhan, China. However, um, I was conditioned to hear about those things and think they would never get here, like the Ebola uh, outbreak in Africa. Uh, it never really took hold in the United States. And I didn't have any reason to panic or get super uh, concerned about a virus. I was just carrying on with my mundane life as a retiree. I was looking forward to monthly luncheons with um, former co-workers and and things of that nature. In terms of New Year's resolutions, every year I I make the ones that uh, I know I can keep, like no jaywalking and stuff like that. However, um, to answer your question, Pete, I didn't have a clue that what actually happened was really going to happen. So uh, it was kind of a culture shock when March came around and things changed so drastically and so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, I remember that um, we were recording probably up until March, and I remember that, uh, Mick, you led one of the uh, you led the annual meeting for the Wells of Salvation Ministries uh, that we have, and um, I don't think that anybody was talking about shutting down even at those times, and it just kind of came upon us very quickly, and uh, suddenly, you know, I think maybe, Don, you were the one who had to deal with it most as a senior pastor as far as, oops, now you can't even have your people meet. What was that like? It, you know, it was a very word that comes to mind, difficult situation, because we, as a consistory slash board, um, really didn't want to shut down church. I mean, we agonized over that because our, our little church worship is about 65 on an average. And for us to shut down, we'd miss each other badly. And we understood that responsibility as a board that we didn't want to do that to God's people, you know, to God's covenant people as a reformer is a big thing. 
And yet when COVID broke out in Riverside Hospital, Kankakee, Illinois, we had a case that came. It was like, okay, people, this is now in our backyard. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we, as a, as a consistory slash church board, made the difficult decision of, you know, shutting the doors. But we all agreed that just because the doors are shut, that does not mean the church has ended. Right. And I think that uh, maybe we ought to just make sure our listeners know that when you're talking Kankakee, Illinois, that's about 25 miles from me. You're actually the pastor of a rural church right. about 25 miles south of Up Kankakee. Kankakee. Right. Correct. So, Correct. yes, Don did come all the way in here to Ohio <laughs> to come take part in our in our uh, Reconciling Grace episode. And it's great to have Don with us. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, you really had to deal with some stuff that... Uh, you hadn't anticipated for us in a, as a family, for instance, one thing, and I'm not sure if I had uh, shared this or not. Uh, I know we talked about it before the the uh, program started today, but my son had a wedding scheduled, and um, it was scheduled for March. Well, they decided maybe we better not, so they picked the first open time in June, and they resent out all the invitations saying instead of save the date, it was change the date. And now the wedding is scheduled for October. So, you know, all kinds of things are going on <laughs> in people's families, in people's lives, in ministry, whatever it is. Um, did anybody else have to um, postpone or anything, any, any specific family stuff? Maybe not. Maybe I'm the only one. So we had a bridal shower in my extended family. Okay, postponed mm-hmm. late March. Sure. Well, I tell you what, um, it's just interesting to get into these discussions. But I do want us to get into the scripture. You know, we're here uh, because we want to talk about scriptures. We want to talk about what does this mean. You know, where is God in all of this? And so, Vicky, I've asked if you will. Um, read the scriptures from uh, the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Have we ever really gone through a time as collectively as a society, even as a world, where we really realized we do not know what's going to happen tomorrow? I mean, we've all had things happen to us in our lives that we didn't expect to happen. But as a collective society, I tell you what, this was something else. And and doesn't this really make this scripture even come alive a little bit more? I think it does. And, and being in a secular job... And I jokingly said about it being a blessing, like I didn't have as busy, but um, it was not a good thing for people to be out of work. And I, I saw that taking place. Um, and we know statistically, what was it, 4 million people even in the United States, but there was all around the world this was happening, uh, and people losing their jobs. And, and I would call and check on some of those that were our building, some of our mm-hmm. buildings that was shut down that, that I manage. And I remember one lady saying to me, oh, please pray for, for me, Vicki, and pray for my family. Um, for the people that really needed that. And so it was uh, like a different kind of thing for me to go out and still supply supplies and be with people. And and really in my secular job, I'm still doing ministry because it's people oriented, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Uh, So, you know, in ministry, you just do ministry in all kinds of ways for for anyone, you know, when we come in contact with people. But it was just a, a different kind of thing of how we had to approach things and do things and 
governmentally, but with, with people and everything. But um, so that that was a different thing in watching what was happening with people. And, and I, I got to see a little bit of that up close, um, mm-hmm. I guess I want to say, because of, you know, being in that uh, position where people were suddenly out of work. And we tried to find something for them somewhere, but if there wasn't anything, we couldn't. And to think that you're laid off for three months at a time, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a long time. It yeah. is. It is. And I know that... Um, we are a little bit early for our break, but uh, the next thing I wanted to say might take a little bit longer than that. So I think what I'm going to do is have us break right now for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Reconciling Grace. And we're back with Reconciling Grace. We were just talking about how things were going um, before things started shutting down. Uh, Vicki just read for us the passage from James where it talks about uh, going to this city or that city and spending a year and carrying on business and making money and how, Vicki, you know of people who have literally lost their jobs and Going from that, one of the questions that I had that I'd like to ask of all the panel members here, um, what impact did this kind of thing, just the closing down, have on us personally? Um, Mick, do you have anything? I know that you kind of already shared you're not going out much. Um, is there anything you'd like to add to what you've already said? Well, the, the scripture that Vicki shared um, brought to mind I needed to revisit how I do planning in terms of ministry it's kind of got me refocused on how to go about uh living and the the whole issue of planning i just like to throw this out there Pete. it says <clears throat> when when vicky read there hey you don't know what's even going to happen tomorrow so why plan down the road is the implication of the scripture um this whole concept made me refocus on do I make plans and ask God to bless them or do I ask God to instill within me uh, a sense of what he wants me to do and I have a couple scriptures I'd like to share if it's okay sure go ahead uh, Proverbs sixteen three says commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans in other words I'm not going to chart out something and then say God, I don't care what you say or think, bless this because I came up with it. I need to be looking for his will. And as I've often said, I flunk discernment 101, so I have to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit has planned for me, uh, whether it's a plan for today or down the road. The other thing I think of when I hear verses like Vicki read, this one, two verses from Luke 14, Say, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. I think God does want us to plan, but with a focus on his will and what he wants us to do with our lives. So this whole concept here has reoriented my approach to planning. I want to seek God's will first and then carry out his will if I, to the extent I can with his help. 
That's a great insight. Um, you know, the difference between saying, God, I want to do this. Is this okay? As opposed to saying, God, what do you want me to do? That That is just so profound what you said, Mick. I really, really appreciate your sharing that. What about anybody else here? Anybody else have any any impact that this closing down had on them personally? Um, we're going to get to ministry in a little bit, but any personally? I think personally, my middle son um, works in Michigan in the restaurant industry, and needless to say, they shut that down really fast. So he wasn't sure what was going to happen, you know, for about two months there, and uh, yet the Lord provided. I mean, he, he never had to ask for money from me. He was like, you know, Dad, we'll get through this like we have the other things in life. And, uh, you know, that's sort of why, you know, when I was looking at it, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's like, hey, keep your perspective that God is moving, that God is doing things, even in times we don't understand. You know, I agree with Mick. You have to plan in God and see where God takes us. Mm-hmm in that process. And I think with my middle child, he was sort of like, God's going to do something great here. Don't worry about me, old man. Affectionate term, old man for the record, since I'm on the radio like this. Um, Nothing derogatory. Um, And so, you know, it's one of those where he understood the mist and he understood the timing of God and that it was going to be a momentary thing, but God was still there planning for Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. I know for me, um, just personally, I have missed a lot of things. Um, I miss baseball. And that might sound funny, but I miss baseball because to me, that is one way that I relax. I mean, Don and I go back years. I think we've known each other. We were talking about this beforehand, 45 years. And we've both been Cub fans for longer than that, I think. Hey, they finally won the World Series, yeah, so we're happy. That's yes. right. You know, and, I, and I've jokingly said, but I sometimes <laughs> wonder if it's really jokingly, that maybe that really was the start of the end of the world when they finally won it. You know, because <laughs> know. you think about all the things that have happened since then. But, uh, but uh, you know, I'm just, yes, I'm just joking about that kind of stuff when it comes to that. The extended bill of curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, you know, as I say, I miss being able to go, um, you know, we live here in the Dayton, Ohio area where we're we're recording this. And um, for probably about 10 years now, we have been um, Dayton Dragons season ticket holders as far as not full season, but 17 games. We haven't been to a baseball game. I mean, this is one of the ways that my wife and I have gone out to just enjoy ourselves go get out into the ball game enjoy being out in the in the fresh air watching baseball we both enjoy baseball it's like we haven't been able to do that we have um had an established quote date night um weekly for the most part for the past maybe five six seven eight years i don't know how many years it's been and this was done at the um suggestion a number of years ago by our then district superintendent who was trying to say to the the ministers on the district, make sure you take care of your relationship with your spouse. And so back then we, you know, made it a point for us, it's usually Tuesday nights, we will go out and and go out to eat. We haven't been able to do that until maybe the last couple of weeks that we've been able to go out and do that. And that's... You think outside the box. Yeah, I know. Well, (laughs) we have been. We've been thinking outside the box and we've been eating in a lot. So really the thing is, 
while we have seen each other a lot more because we haven't been able to go and do things, we've been at home a lot more, but sometimes it's good to just get out and, and yeah. do something together. So that's one of the things that's happened with us personally. And I think in the great state of Illinois, where Ohio has opened up sooner, we haven't. And we, Chris and I, my wife, got to, uh, we got to walk into Hobby Lobby the first time in 16 weeks. And it was like, ah, oh, it's not a food aisle. Mm-hmm. It's actually like photography stuff. It's actually, you know. So, yeah, it, it was like that break. And we, we also, to break the monotony and thinking outside the box, Vicki, um, we did order Olive Garden. We ate by the river, Kankakee River, for our 37th wedding anniversary mm-hmm. and her retirement from teaching after 36 years. So a lot of outside thinking Good. had to take place. But, yeah, it does affect you. It mm-hmm. really does. I see that. You know, I was thinking this week about, and I really wasn't thinking about our notes or anything, but I was just considering how people are going to look at this differently when they look back over the years and say, hey, what was the pandemic like for you? I think that people are going to have different approaches. You know, we think of Mick and he's completely quarantined, but I haven't been quarantined. So because I have a a secular job that it's, it's janitorial and we do we do a great service anyway, but we really had to really serving people. You know, I don't know if it was always said, but we were part of those heroes that were going out there and right. taking care of business, you know. And so I uh, appreciate the company that I work for at Sunshine. Uh, but anyway, I thought about that for myself, and I thought my aspect is going to be completely different because life for me didn't change all that much because I was still out five days a week out um, seeing people. And I love to see people and talk to people. I'm a people-oriented person. And so I would go out to my buildings or, you know, they'd be there in the office with the rest of our management team. And and so on a daily basis, at least Monday through Friday, I was seeing people and talking with people. And and so, you know, that served that for me. So I didn't have that. So on the weekends, I was by myself and, of course, couldn't go to church But uh, for that. But you know, it didn't change a whole lot, except, you know, I couldn't see my family because they were quarantined and I was not. So on Easter, I text my grandchildren. I said, okay, I need to lay eyes on your face. <laughs> and so I'm going to bring out your Easter stuff and be outside. We can at least see each other, you know. And so it was just a, a kind of different time. But I really think people's going to have different perspectives of it. You know, it was a, it's a terrible thing that was going on. Uh, but, but personally, I don't think it affected me as much. Now, I did go through that time where um, I thought to myself, well, I'm, I didn't even consider uh, dying from it, but I just don't want to be sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I understand. Uh, from that, but, but, you know, I, I mean, we tried to be careful with everything that we're doing, and thankfully n- no one got it. So mm-hmm. that was a good thing, like, the people that were working for us. Sure. Now, um, this is a little bit off of what the notes are, but but you said something, Vicki, that made me realize that I think there's something I'd like to explore a little bit, and that is, you know, you're doing your same work. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because you are essential. I really, really had a tough time with that word. Mm-hmm. Because just think about this. There are people now whose society is telling them, you are essential, but you are not. And just think about what kind of thing that does to the psyche. I know that, Don, you have more of like a, a, a sociology or, or wasn't it psychology background? Right, psych. Yeah, and so did you ever think about that? I, You know, 
really know in the light of I was working with people who are essential. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it, I was dealing more with their emotions of what is it like to be essential and what is it like to go home knowing you're constantly being exposed to COVID. And so, you know, for me as a pastor, it's more, okay, we're praying over you. We're praying, you know, that your home is being protected as you serve as a grocer, as you serve as a sheriff or, you know, or the hospital people. Or I have a lot in my life of my congregation that are in the nursing homes. Mm -hmm. And so for them, essential workers was more a sense of every day I go in feeling threatened that this could be the day I could bring COVID into my home. Mm-hmm. And so as a pastor, it's praying over them, letting know they're being prayed over. I don't know how many times I sent out praying hands to all my essential workers. Um, so I didn't notice the, the differentiation question as much as I did the sense of vulnerability. Um, and I think for those that aren't essential workers, there was almost a sense of relief, really, that they don't have to put themselves out there as much. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the state of Illinois, ministers weren't essential workers probably until the second decoration. And then even after that, it was an afterthought that took place on the Friday after his second one. So even personally, as an essential worker, we weren't seen as that well until the second one. Hmm. So that made it very awkward doing ministry, knowing if you went out there to do ministry, there was a chance that you could have some implications to it. Sure. Now, now Don, you brought up something that I would like to... Um, segue two over to Mick. Um, and I think, Vicki, you also mentioned a little bit, um, you're being quarantined, um, pretty much self-quarantined. And again, we understand why. And, and I, we think, you know, we, and we support your, your reason to do that. Um, but Mick, what has it been like for you? Have you been able to see family? Um, how, how has that worked? Well, it's been something of a dilemma, Pete, um, because my wife, my oldest son and my daughter-in-law all work in hospitals where COVID patients are. And so they're taking great precautions when they come home to wash their clothing, disinfect. Um, in fact, back when we didn't know a whole lot about this disease, my, my oldest son, who is a doctor or his third year residency, he advised me to stay quarantined even within the house away from my wife and daughter. And so it's been very uh, awkward for me because I don't know if I'm safer outside the house or inside the house uh, because I'm working or, or I, because I'm living and interacting with people who are in that hospital environment where there is a higher risk, I suppose, of, of getting this disease or carrying the disease. And so it's been quite a dilemma. In fact, that's been my issue on a number of levels. I'm, I am quarantined, as I mentioned earlier, because I'm considered high risk in a number of areas. But what, what can you believe? We don't know what the truth is about this. And I'm speaking simply from a, a secular standpoint at this, this point, Pete, because you know, we're told the social distance three feet, then six feet, then 27 feet. And then we find out our animals uh, can get COVID. 
So we don't even know how to react. It's been something of a quandary, and I've had to just rely upon uh, what light I have and, and trust that God will lead me to do the right thing. But uh, overall, would you say you're handling it okay? I'd say I'm handling, I don't know if there's such a thing as Christian fatalism, but my life and my future is in God's hands, and I'm doing the best I can with what light I have uh, from the Lord. Mick, you said that so well. Um, I would like to let you keep going on that, but we really are just about out of time for today's episode, so as we have done in the past, I think we're going to just kind of keep the... Uh, the old-fashioned way of saying it would be the tape rolling, and we're going to continue with part two of this next time. So for Don McDonald, Vicki Cundiff, and Mick Wells, this is Pete Vecchi. Thanks for joining us today for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.